Shakers, Psychonauts, and Shaman, and welcome to the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. Right at the top, I'd like to thank everyone for your well wishes, your reviews, your ratings, and your follows. And I assure you all that just so long as you keep the listenership coming, I will keep this level of interview coming your way. This evening, it is my honor and privilege to give to you Steve Von Till of the Mighty Neurosis. Joining the band in 1989 at the crucial turning point that was the word as law. From that point on, the band's trajectory continued in a more psychedelic, twisted, and intellectually gorgeous path. From there on, Souls at Zero, Enemy of the Sun, through Silver and Blood, and Times of Grace just became more aggressive, more experimental, and more immersive. In keeping with the spirit of total immersion, the industrial noise side of the band, known as Tribes of Neurot, wrote a companion piece to be played simultaneously with Times of Grace. That album, known as Grace, can either be played on its own or in conjunction with Times of Grace to create an ever-evolving album experience like none other. In the year 2000, Steve began releasing music on his own, a musical entity separate from the ongoing project that was Neurosis. As the crow flies, and two years later, if I should fall to the field, employed a singer-songwriter aspect to his musical canon, not unlike Tom Waits, Nick Cave, or the great Towns Van Zant. He also began writing more psychedelic-based music under the name Harvest Man, beginning with the epic Lashing the Rye. He's also done music with the likes of Culper Ring and Amber Asylum, as well as a collaborative record with Wino and Scott Kelly of Neurosis to create a loving tribute to Towns Van Zant. Beginning in the COVID-infused 2020, he had seen a windfall of new content and creative avenues. Beginning with the rich studio as an instrument experience of No Wilderness Deep Enough and the vocal-free version, A Deep Voiceless Wilderness. Among all of these musical accomplishments, Steve is also an educator and a poet. In 2021, he released the book and spoken word album Harvest Man, 23 Untitled Poems a collection of surrealist, naturalist, and emotionally open wordplay. I know that was a mouthful, so I digress. And without further ado, Steve Von Till on the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. I'm very excited to have you here today. Your music has been an intrinsic intrinsic part of my life since 1992 I right uh, on thank you and as as not to get too weird about it or whatever but um I uh it got me through rehab as a matter of fact uh when I had decided to get clean it was uh times of grace and through silver and blood just took me right through that time and kind of steeled my resolve with it and uh you know i i guess to the casual listener someone not from the uh 
you know, the type of music scene that we both come from. When you hear something like that, it doesn't sound particularly positive, I guess. But to me, there's a very, very positive spiritual uplift, especially to that period of neurosis onward. And then, of course, as the crow flies, falls into that time period for me as well. So I do want to thank you for being instrumental in my wellness. <laughs> hey, you know, I mean, music does that for all of us, right? It gets us through, gets us through the stuff. And I don't, I don't know that any artist can, can claim that they're, you know, that they created the part of the music that does that for people. That's just the nature of music and art, I think, yeah. you know? Well, I mean, it, it's, it is the only actual universal language in my opinion, it, it's the only art that is 100 uh, percent. Unless you're even deaf people, I know listen to music just, you know, through vibrations. It, it's it's the only medium that is almost completely universal. Agreed. So there's a there's a severe power in that. But um, I I start this show off always with the same question. And I normally get some version of the same answer, but I think someone such as yourself, you, you're, you seem more enlightened than most just because I, I, <laughs> I, put, I put that on you, Steve, unfortunately for you, because, you know, you, neurosis has been my favorite band since, like I said, 1992, but, um, what is it existentially that terrifies you the most? The lack of connection to uh, to the cosmos, to the natural way of things. That's that's kind of been the lifelong quest is to try to find bits to reconnect. Whereas I feel our entire uh, society and point that we've reached is so disconnected from the part of us that is the part of nature, the part of us that is the part of the cosmos, the part of us that is part of everything, um, as we're increasingly just selfish, self-centered, individualized, and um, um, and torn apart from, I think, uh, whatever our true nature is, unless our true nature is exactly what we are, <laughs> then, wow. then I'm not a fan. Right. Well, like, yeah, nor am I. Uh, having grown up <clears throat> in you know, a rural setting, I always had, a, you know, the, just an un unconscious connection to the land, to the forest, to nature. And I, I, I can definitely feel that in your music, especially with the last album and its sister album, which is uh, without vocals. Those two, uh, like it's in the, it's in the title, but you can feel it, I think, I th and which is especially interesting because it doesn't have as many natural uh, instruments. You know, it's not just acoustic guitar based. You know, there, there's so much more going on. It's it's almost a. It feels like something maybe Bowie would have done if he had gotten a little deeper and darker into himself. I mean, ex except for that last album, that was really something else. In yeah, my that opinion. one's a, that one's a motherfucker for sure. Oh my god, fuck! <laughs> what a way to go out. Totally. But I I feel like there's something very always with your music, something very spiritual, but especially 
recently, especially with the last three releases, which are all interconnected in some way or another, maybe a little less with the Harvest Man release, but the two sister releases, it, it feels like you're trying to uh, get to a spiritual core, like the center of something. Is, is that a correct assumption? Well, I think that's been the, the the where the I think those are just the new plots on the line that are spiraling towards that core since I first started making music. Mm -hmm. You know that it, it's what began pretty unconsciously and all my work through Neurosis and Tribes of Neurot and and the solo stuff for the last twenty two years has been um, seeking. It's all been seeking, you know, mm -hmm. and just um, I don't ever set out to do anything intentionally, really. Uh, when I do, that tends to be rather weak and uh, not not as um, <clears throat> compelling, at least not to me. And so. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the, the probably recent ones are probably, you know, deeper and further along that line just because hopefully as i get older i maybe get a little wiser and i learn from my uh past efforts and and i have more life experience to bring with me into it mm -hmm. now is there a uh, succinct like through line spiritually for you or is it just like you're just fe feeling something ethereal like that you can't really put a hang a hat on yeah, I refuse to subscribe to any of the uh, modern, um, whatever, anything regarding like a religion, right. you know. Um, uh, spiritually, I've always been attracted to uh, the way indigenous cultures look at things. Um, and so for me, being a European-American and having my ancestors come from all over different parts of Europe, I've loved looking into the ways that they uh poetically saw their place in the universe um um but i'm in a different age and a different time and a different place you know so i i kind of use those as inspirations as well as what i i, I appreciate about other cultures just again to try to find that connection you know are there we can't go back in time nor can we uh idealize some golden age or heyday that may never have really existed um so um but those early forms of art whether they're the caves in in lascaux or france and spain or or whether they're the early carvings of the of the, the celts in in germany and austria or um you know rock carvings all over the world or or from any other culture for that matter just the way that people saw this need to create an artistic expression of their um, place in the universe, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and how they saw it. I I'm often intrigued by that just uh, as much as I am by modern music or poetry or, or things. It's all, it's all poetry. It's all trying to express our, um, our great wondering of the great mystery. And um, you know, ever since, humankind became conscious of something other than the need to eat shelter and procreate you know when we felt we had to discuss something else like what are those what are those lights up in the sky mm 
mm. you know, or, um, yeah, who, who am I separate from you? You know, th those, uh, those concepts are fascinating to me. And so I think my, my, my spiritual quest is to find, um, a combination of, of, philosophical meanings i can understand enough to kind of light up those centers of the brain that connect with the centers of the heart that uh when things just feel right or things feel like or when you feel in awe it doesn't have to be right but when you feel in awe of the vastness of uh of the universe and the mathematical improbability that we exist here at all to be able to discuss it especially in light of the fact that <clears throat> there is beyond, and this is my existential fear, it always has been, outside of that expanse of inhabited universe being inhabited by creatures or celestial bodies, there has to be some limit where it becomes nothingness, at least for a little while. That, that boggles my mind. That's my fear of vacuum, of void, you know? Yeah, nothing. Nothing is nothing is hard to imagine. Yeah, it's it's impossible to. I don't think our brains are actually wired to understand something like that or ascertain it. Uh, one would have to be incredibly enlightened at the very least. Yeah, I think the the Eastern traditions probably go more after you know, like trying to really become one with the nothing, one with the void, and really that did the disillusion of the self. Mm -hmm. uh, which is admirable. Uh, you know, we don't have that in our heritage and tradition, really, you know, um, hints to, you know, respecting the void and the great void. But, uh, but yeah, that's it coming from, you know, as you know, coming from the highly individualized West, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's really, that does boggle the mind completely. No, especially like, you know, we are all, we were all taught as children that we're all these special little flowers, you know, and that's I'm glad our parents felt that way about us. But in the grand scheme of things, the world doesn't really, you know, apprise us in such a manner. We're all, we're all part of, of, of a larger organism almost. And I think the more we come to terms with that and the more we reckon with that, that's when the inherent violence of, of the, the human animal can, we, we can apex that and, and maybe inhabit a better mind space. But unfortunately, very few people are striving for that. Yeah. And that's kind of what the vibe I'd always gotten from the way neurosis does things. It seems like when you all get together, you kind of inhabit, something a little more akin to that like like you're all in your own universe for that period of time so if if i'm right and that's the way you guys operate when you're making music on your own that's is it a similar you're tapping into a similar source do you think mm. it's all one source yeah but uh it's very different when you have um you know five five egos and filters you know um 
vying for who is speaking loudest for the for the muse or whatever it is at the moment you know mm -hmm. so it's uh that's definitely a grinding process it doesn't doesn't magically appear you know mm -hmm. the the uh, ideas might come up but it, it it requires the uh constant destruction and rebuilding to become what it is whereas with the individual stuff i'm i'm really only accountable to myself and i don't um and i can follow my whims and desires whatever direction i want to um with only my own filters and only my own uh critic and naysayers on the shoulder saying oh that sucks ditch that or you know that's that's good but you want to ditch it because you're afraid of it so you should own it and mm -hmm. just do it, do it which was the entire kind of voice internal voice of the last records it seemed very uh uh and i mean at the same time as my poetry book as well very out of the comfort zone as far as putting that you know really really pretty music out there um mostly synthesizer based and piano and french horn and cello and together with poetry it was all kind of like uh you know the negative punk rocker self of me tore myself a new one about all those ideas constantly but yeah but i mean i and i can fully understand that but at the same time you're allowed to like music like dead can dance as well i mean they're all of these this is all just for sure but who am i to think i could do <laughs> you know <laughs> do something pretty right well you certainly achieved it and i was also very very not only impressed but uh i felt like where has this been when the book finally hit and i had it in my hands and it was like this very it wasn't bogged down in over intellectualized over uh overly verbose prose it's just very succinct very beautiful felt almost very irish in a way or or something akin to that just in in its in its feel those those 23 poems and i i can't wait for the next to be quite honest with you because there's not enough there's not enough actual poetry being uh, put forth in this community, in my opinion. Uh, we don't we don't get much of it, and what we do get isn't often as good as what you put forth. Oh, thank you. We have the sea, and we will always have the sky. There, in our own shadow and in the absolute absence of stars a darkness of depths illuminates who we are midnight migrations of mind toward pastures of delusion hanging halfway over the dark edge of that sheer and craggy cliff that towers high above reason with a skull full of stars and a moon full of hearts, we weep the deadly river and drift back to its source, the headwaters of ourselves. The millstone, painted shades of moss and lichen, stares blankly at the elder black ash, longing to return to work.
the river, once deep red with the blood of toil, laughs at the rotting boards of the water wheel, for they cannot slow her down. The bones, bleached and removed of flesh, lay scattered among the decaying leaves, wanting only of spirit. The fog, thickly veiled in its own mystery, embraces it all with arms of vapor, obscuring both death and life. It is written on one's skin that death often precedes the execution of well-laid plans and conspiracies. So cruel, and yet so beautiful. The kiss of the infinite falls upon you maybe once in a lifetime, when stars are uncrossed and wise words echo. You recognize the madman in yourself. I look forward to other ways of dying, ways that won't affect the internal weather. But now it is too late. We will commit that sin again, making the same damn mistake. Only this time, it will cut much deeper. Is, is this something you're going to continue with, though? For sure. Yeah, awesome. it's just, just kind of like the... Uh... Like the first solo record, once I had decided I was going to release songs under my own name, which was a big kind of psychological uh, hurdle, mm -hmm. you know, an ego hurdle of like not wanting to be full of myself or whatever. And But once I did it, once I sucked it up and realized that that was something that was important to me and was valid, um, uh, that opened up that pathway and, and finally putting out... Um, poems and letting them live their own lives outside of just places I go to to steal lines from for lyrics mm. uh, because that's the only function they had served before that it was for my own journals and I would go and raid them constantly when I needed a line you know um, in fact most most of my lyrics are kind of more collage oriented when it comes down to it because lyrics have to serve a song yeah they have to serve a musical sound. They have to sound right. But before they even mean anything, they have to sound right. They have to have the right number of syllables, the right cadence. You have to be able to hang on the right vowel sounds. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's all these kind of sonic limitations that music imposes on it. And the context will come. The music will give it context. And if the lines themselves came from something meaningful originally, but they got altered and changed and mixed with lines from other parts of life and even other years of life and put reorganized and put back together in a different order, much kind of like what Bowie did a little bit using the um, techniques of um, Burroughs. Burroughs. I was just going to, I didn't want to break yeah. in on you. Yeah. Yeah. Using the, the you know, um, except for I'm only collaging with my own sources, you yeah. know? So, um, so sometimes they take on an entirely new meaning framed by the music. Sometimes they remain a mystery, even to me. Sometimes they reveal themselves over time, but, but getting back to the original part of the question. Yeah. That, that putting that book out there last year or the year before, whenever it was, I last couple of years have been strange. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Um, since I started that, I, I write a lot and I write most days and I've got, uh, I'm well on my way to my next batch of poems. I don't know what, what form they will take, what I will do with them exactly, but, but it is a path that's now that it's open, I will absolutely follow it. And it seems like since the past few years have been as weird as they are, and we've been as stationary and stagnant as if we've forced, we've been forced to be, you, it seems like you use that to your advantage with the amount of material that has surfaced from you during this period of time. Now, I'm guessing most of this stuff, you had already been living with it precursor to this chunk of time being locked down on COVID. <clears throat> but I don't, I'd imagine as it stands right now, you're probably in a very creative place. I know a lot of people aren't. But well, there's multiple aspects to answer that one. Those records were done before those records were done in 2019. No, they were done in the summer too. I mixed them right before we went out on tour. Um, and then came home and worried about what I was going to do with them. Mm. Um, so none of those were a result of the pandemic. And the poetry book was an exact product of working on the No Wilderness Deep Enough because I had I had originally written it as, and I've spoke to this in a lot of places, but so forgive me if I'm repeating myself to you, but um, I had originally written, you know, written the record as what I thought was an ambient record. I didn't even really write it. It kind of happened mm -hmm. it began in my my wife's parents house um she lives in an area of germany a rural area in northern germany outside of bremen and her family has been on the same exact house site for over 500 years which again as children of the of the modern american west we can't we can't imagine being in one spot that long yeah you know I mean, like they actually just never moved, you know, they've just been there. Um, and so it's pretty heavy vibes on that on that land. You know, that's a lot of generations of one people, you know, farming and tilling the soil and, and in an area that's roots go back to the megalithic times, you know, where, you know, there's stone stone. uh megalithic sites that her grandfather would take her to on his bicycle you know just and uh you know they probably buried their generations right there you mm -hmm. know and um these simple melodies in a sleepless night you know from jet lag just started really coming out in this just a little electronic setup i had in the corner and when i got home I kind of put them away and I kind of kept opening up the files, not thinking anything of it and going, well, those are really interesting. And one sound led to the next. I started adding some synthesizers and simple uh, piano bits and fleshing out the melodies and processing it through my analog gear. And, and I really thought I had created a really interesting ambient record, but I didn't have a project that it fit in. It wasn't really fuzzy guitars and, and, uh, whacked out synths like harvest man is and it wasn't i never thought it to be solo material 
So I thought, well, shit, I think I have to start a ambient music project or something. So I ran it by my friend Randall Dunn, who recorded my previous record and helped me produce this one as well. And he basically said, man, don't be a chick and sing on it and make it your next solo record. And I disagreed. I thought that was total bullshit. And that it, that, that pretty music really didn't kind of need my scratchy croak on top. And so... But it was about Chris, but so the, 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 it originated on my spring break. So spring of 2018, this was winter break, 2018. Uh, my wife had gone back to Germany to visit her parents. I was alone in the house with the animals. I um, set up a microphone, started improvising vocal melodies. Um, they came to me really pretty quickly and I was hitting my journals to, and this is bringing us back to the poetry book, right? So I was hitting those journals, looking for lines that would make sense because I was singing nonsense just to find melodies. And some lines came just out of the blue and some lines I had to dig out of those journals. And um, at one point upon completing it, while I was doing that, so the, so I had to call Randall and tell him he was right. The vocals <laughs> did sound good. And then later I decided that when we were mixing it in that, that summer before we went on tour summer 2019 that was next time we could work on it i said man mute the vocal tracks and let me hear it the first way i heard it because i actually enjoy since it never feels like i labored over it mm -hmm. never felt like i was working on it i can listen to it the, the second that my voice is on it i can't listen to it after i'm done working on it i'd rather listen to other people's music than my music but mm -hmm. um um but in that act of stealing lines out of my journals, I stole a, a particular line out of a poem. And I looked at that poem and I thought, man, you know, that's a shame. That was a perfect poem. And I just took the best line, <laughs> made, rendering it useless. Yeah. Not that I had plans to publish it or share it with anybody because I didn't. But that thought process said, well, why can't it live? Why can't it live its own life as a poem? And why can't I write things to live their own lives as poems and you know, I'm in my 50s. If not now, then when am I ever going to throw it out there that I enjoy writing poetry? And, and I don't know if it's good enough, but I feel like it's an authentic voice. I feel like that is my voice. That's my. And if I if I, you know, edit it and I spend my time. Making sure they sound good to me. Perhaps it'll sound good to others. Right. So that's kind of the origin of how all that happened was kind of getting over a lot of uh, self-imposed doubts and barriers between me and, and what I really need to be doing. And this is coming from an English major, you know, I, that's what I had gone to school for before I realized I was a plumber, just like my father told me I was. <laughs> um, I, I'm a massive Dylan Thomas fan, massive. And I'm not saying that's what your poetry sounds like, and that's not the voice it's written in, but that's what it reminded me of, the same feeling. That's mm -hmm. where I, I get the whole uh, Ireland-Wales comparison, because in my mind that he's the sound of those islands, that's why I got, I had gleaned that feeling from what you'd done. And I actually didn't realize that until right now. <laughs> but that's why. That's where that came from. That's where that, that feeling came from for me. 
uh, who, is there anyone that you particularly really dig into as far as poetry is concerned? There's a lot. I mean, I think I first got, my grandfather used to recite uh, poetry by memory and he was a big fan of Robert Service, who was, uh, oh, yeah. you know, it, mostly a... stuff about the Yukon, right? Mm -hmm. um, and um, then, you know, getting into college and, and really, really just trying to write lyrics for being a punk rocker, you know, and writing lyrics for songs. And But at the same time, I was taking sociology courses, philosophy courses, Jungian psychology courses. I was a sociology major just because that's the way I could get through and just do weird shit and get a degree because that's <laughs> that, what my family expected of me. That was my minor. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I, I really got hooked on, on the library, you know, this giant collegiate library, uh, which had everything from LPs of strange experimental music I'd maybe heard reference of, but never got to listen to. And, uh, spoken word albums and old microfish of weird random rare books and yeah just wandering the aisles and, and um, discovering uh, uh, Campbell's comparative mythology and, and um, that really spoke to me I, I was already had kind of a passion for the Celtic myths from when I was a kid and um, so maybe that's where some of the Irishness comes. I, 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 I've always loved the traditional tales of, uh, of the Celts, uh, whether it be in Ireland or Wales or Scotland, and, and, as well as the Germanic and the Norse and the, the Slavic uh, nations as well. I also got heavily into Native American uh, activism at that time, like, um, and came across a poet named John Trudell, mm -hmm. who was a... Uh, um, very active spokesperson for the American Indian movement and a really heavy hitter, a really heavy dude, very deep. And I, I still, I still look to him for inspiration. I don't, I don't know what, you know, the poetry snobs think about his poetry, but, um, to me, it just comes across as really, um, multi-layered and deep without being over verbose and intentionally intellectual, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, but it's not utilitarian either. To me, it's very lyrical. Right, and so I, I think just all of those things that I've ever read kind of come to me. I also really like Seamus Heaney. He's a you know Irish poet. Mm -hmm. uh, is he a Nobel winner? I believe so. Um, fucking Bob Dylan, Bob Patty Dylan. Smith. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, Discharge. Yeah very true <laughs> you know you just four repeating lines it's like a haiku that says everything it needs to say um i think all those things are, are influences on me I, I i love sylvia plath i love ted hughes um um not a fan of how ted hughes treated sylvia plath but no, uh, none of us are but right yeah. um but the for obvious reasons the crow a huge book for me um i love the american transcendentalists you know uh all of those guys whitman uh emerson um 
Whitman Emerson and Thoreau are the three yeah. reasons that I, I became who I became when I was a 12 year old kid. Yeah, they're, they're the trilogy. And, and, you know, it's funny having these conversations. I recently realized that our educated uh, English literature fans across the ocean don't have the experience with those guys that we do. You know, and that really is a big cultural difference because why why are people in England going to read these colonials stuff, you know? True, true. I mean, <laughs> that that would basically fall in line with, you know, in the 1970s, us reading uh, the greats of North Vietnam. <laughs> you know? Right, right. So, so yeah, so it, all, all of that has had a, had a big impact. And, and uh, lately I've come around to um, uh, a few other guys, God, now I'm going to blank names, um, from Montana, wrote a lot of novels that became movies. Jim Harrison. Harrison, yep. Jim Harrison. And... Uh, kind of an earlier nature-based poet who lived on the built his own stone house on the coast uh jeffers robinson oh, okay. Jeff, jeffers I, i've been reading a lot of those really like those a lot again just the way they use nature metaphor um in ways that that speak of uh that zoom back out to that esoteric and and existential place that I like to go and and recently there's a guy about my age from our music scene but he's not known for being but he's he he like he comes from listening to the type of music we do he is a Jan, uh Janica Stuckey mm -hmm. uh third man has published his last two books and uh they're incredibly deep it's very ecstatic ecstatic poetry more like a stream of consciousness uh, or like free, but more fo more focused than that. Like more oh. like getting in the zone, becoming possessed by the spirit, and setting the zone in a ritualized fashion to to set up the flowing of the spirit, and it comes out feeling very natural and free flowing, but it is very focused. Oh wow, that's. That's incredibly difficult to pull together. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. I, I, I took his most recent book. It was called uh, Ascend, Ascend, and I, I highly recommend it. I'll probably end up buying that when we're finished with this. That sounds like it's right up my alley. So that you're you're getting all of that. It, it seems like everything that you know you read you listen to there's there's always the emphasis of of nature and spirit the animal and and you know the esoteric or or the ethereal um have you ever had any experiences that you could like plainly say yes this was a, a spiritual happening or or something to that effect yes for sure um and some of which I won't go into. Right. They're personal. But I can say that um, 
some of the times I've felt the most connected to any sort of concept of uh, becoming one with energy and becoming one with um, the true core of, of life itself um, has been through making music. The times where I've, you know, people can do all the whatever ritual magic and stuff they want and all that. But honestly, I've, I've never been able to uh, uh, sort of hallucinatory situations, you know, um, been able to truly leave my body and it didn't ha it doesn't happen often, but when the conditions are right, you can totally leave your body making music and just the sound feels like it's coming up out of the center of the earth and up through your spinal cord and out mm -hmm. your top of your head. And, and we are all being showered in it and swimming in it. And, um, you know, seeing these mysterious energies swimming within sound itself. And that really, it's just straight up sound that I've experienced that through, um, you know, and, and the other most incredible experience have involved nature. So again, cycling always around those, those quests, the quest for connection to nature and the, the quest for the sound that resonates with the core of, uh, core of my being. And, and, uh, I just realized I didn't answer the main part of your last question. I went on a tangent, but that okay. the time, the times of, uh, COVID times cr creating more creative opportunity. I, I did not get to experience that. Oh. I mean, I'm an elementary school teacher Yeah, and we were only locked down for three months when it first went down uh, to the first center. We've been in person in school every day with full classrooms since September, 2020. Oh, wow. So I didn't get to experience the, uh, boredom or free time or you know um that other people did I, I was a little jealous of hearing people having all these finding all these creative outlets but i've basically just been like i always am I'm go to work i come home i go out to the label office work a couple hours out there and you know any creative time i find is the smallest amount of time that i'm able to carve out of of just this kind of busy life I've made for myself, but you know, it takes a lot of work to support art. And so oh, the, yeah. the, the nuts and bolts and, and I believe, you know, my day job is very fulfilling in other ways and, you know, trying to uh, let the little ones know that they have adults on their side and, you know, help plant seeds to them about how vast the world is and how incredible the good parts of humanity are like uh, literature and music and science and mathematics. It's, it's incredible to me that <clears throat> no, either side of your coin is still giving so much of yourself that must be fulfilling for you. But that that's an, that's an excellent dichotomy because you're, you have this music that, it's it to me like i said i don't find it dark some people do it is very intense then on the other side you are an elementary school teacher and that's equally intense but in a completely different way 
how much do you have for yourself at the end of all of that? You know, like how it just, is it this ever freewheeling like cycle for you where you just have the energy to do this every day? Not every day. <laughs> <laughs> no. Some days it's just, you know, exhausted, go to bed early, you know, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, he, if you're driven to make stuff, you got to just find the time. You got to carve it out, you know, and it's un unrealistic to expect that the arts bring anybody any sort of uh, fiscal rewards that would warrant anything resembling earning a living. Mm -hmm. And those people that do find it, you know, are either very lucky or they're on a different level or maybe they have less responsibilities they need, to, you know, to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not, and they're, a lot of the people in the arts that are subsisting themselves specifically just on that. I don't know. Maybe they are really expressing their innermost emotions and, and tapping into their, their own muse, but nine times out of 10, it's just candy music that makes the money. And then there's all of the rest of us that are, you know, just having it heard is is the ultimate reward and having people respond to it in a live setting i mean like what what you said about le having the feeling of, of leaving your own body and feeling music move through you i've not only felt that making my own music but at least twice that i could definitely say while seeing neurosis and the most recent one was uh at union transfer in philly I don't know what was in the air that night in that place, but I just, it's almost like I don't remember the show because I plugged in and then phew, I, that's, I was just zeroed in on, on everything. It was incredible. <laughs> and then it was over and you, you guys had not been doing, uh, you know, the, the films and the lights anymore. It was just you guys on stage. And that was all I needed. <laughs> but I think it's, I think that's the true voice of what one would construe as God. You know, if, if music can get human beings to react that way, that there is something mystical going on there. Perhaps in my opinion, anyway. Yeah. I mean, you know, those times I'm uplifted by other people's music or, you know, is blown away or I'm, I'm brought to tears or, you know, kind of overwhelmed by a piece of music. Those are, that's what I live for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the only thing I can really attach or assign divinity on <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like kind of a callback to what I'd said in the beginning, how that like music is the universal language. I mean, to me, that's the voice of whatever God there could possibly be. So it all really just comes around to, you know, the union of matter and spirit. <laughs> the union of matter and spirit. Yep. Exactly. So what do you have going next for us musically? Otherwise? Um, hopefully I'll have be touring those, that last album. Mm -hmm. Um, this year is my plan. So stay tuned for announcements on that. So kind of getting ready for that. Um, I've been working on a trilogy of Harvest Man 
12 inches uh, uh, turning in more into like trilogy LP full length LPs. Um, that's pretty close. I just haven't buckled down and finished up the last few tracks. I've got some mixing to do and, and, uh, and things, but that should be pretty interesting. It's definitely going out in some weird and different directions. Um, writing poetry constantly and, um, um, I'm also pretty deep into writing the next solo record at this point. Oh, wow. So, so you, uh, you've kind of got a lot of irons in the fire all at once. Always. Some of them though, you know, they linger over years, you know? So, so you just kind of have to know when to pick it up and when to put it down and move on with something else. Well, usually, uh, yeah, life determines that for me. Um, <laughs> but uh, I can determine when I'm going to focus my energies on one thing enough to finish it. Wow. It's absolutely incredible to me. It's like you're playing chess with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in, inspiration's never the issue. The issue is the time time to see it through. T time is the the greatest, for all of us, the greatest non-renewable resource if we believe in linear time, which I feel like we're stuck in having to. So, well, our bodies are, uh, anyway. our bodies are definitely stuck in linear time. Yep. Yeah. So it's what's between these guys. That's we can abandon it there, but they are there alone. <laughs> yeah. I think the other aspect to that is what that I'm starting to realize now as well. And is looking at my own nature and, uh, um, if I don't keep moving, doing something, I, uh, that's when I tend to go a little nuts. You know, I've got to be involved in doing something. I've got to be involved in creating something, making things happen. It's just part of who I've been since teenager, you know, got to start a band, got to record a demo, got to make a flyer, got to mm -hmm. make, make a gig happen. Got to do something. Got to make a fanzine, got to start a record label, got to, you know, <laughs> That's why I'm 45 years old and still making fanzines. This is just my new fanzine. It's there you literally go. Literally, what it is. Yep. <laughs> yep. So you have to remain like a shark and keep swimming. Yep. Don't stop swimming. Oh, sir. Well, I will let you go on that note. I'm so glad I got to sit down with you after all of these years of just absorbing everything that you put out into the universe to get to speak with you right now. This has been an honor. Well, thank you. Thank you. And thanks for your, uh, thoughtful, uh, lines of questioning and conversation, being mindful. Appreciate it. I appreciate you, sir. Hope to talk to you again someday. All right, man. All right, brother. Take care, Peter. I'll see you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. My friends, that was my conversation with Steve Von Till. Neurosis to me has been what Pink Floyd or Led Zeppelin are to the classic rock set. They are the punk equivalent of a conjunction of Joy Division, Pink Floyd, Amoebics, The Fall, Voivod, and Killing Joke. You add all of that 
and then you divide it by Tom Waits, Nick Cave, and Warren Zevon, and you will probably come close to what Steve does on his own. This conversation was a long time coming for me. I've been a great admirer of his since probably 1990, but it, as I'd said, in 1992, Neurosis became my favorite band. In a bit of foreshadowing to a future episode, his book was released by a very old friend of mine, Duncan Barlow of the band's Guilt, By the Grace of God, and Point, and many others, a professor and writer in his own right. Duncan runs Astrophil Press, and as a longtime Neurosis fan like myself, I'm sure that was just incredible for him. So be on the lookout in the next two weeks for when Duncan will have his chapter in the book. I can only hope that someday soon I get to interview Scott Kelly from Neurosis. I've been working on it. He is not as easy to track down as Steve. Nonetheless, I hope all of my fellow Neurosis fans appreciate this interview as much as I appreciated bringing it to you. Next week on the show, we have author and musician Chad Strope. We talk a little bit about his new band, Ice Peeled, as well as his two novels, Secrets of the Weird, which is a punk rock body horror odyssey, and Sexy Leper, a Halloween tale of the most grotesque kind. I'd really like to thank you all for hanging in there with us, for checking out this episode, for checking out all of our episodes, any of our episodes. As long as you're listening, we are happy. And thank you. Please like, rate, review, subscribe. Any platform you choose. We're on YouTube. We're everywhere. We're anywhere you want to listen to a podcast. So on behalf of the team here, take good care of yourselves. Life is too short to waste on negativity, on division. We could all use a little more music, a little less misery. From 3.33 a.m. studios, I've been Peter. He's been Steve Von Till. You've been beautiful. And this has been the book of very, very bad things. Have a great evening, everyone. <laughs>